This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. What's up? What is up? What's up? It's been cold. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. It's freezing here too. It was like 40 degrees when I woke up this morning and I'm like, wow. Wow. I think it's so easy to forget that Atlanta also gets like all four seasons and it gets cold. Exactly. It's not just hot Atlanta. <laughs> Do people in Atlanta hate Hotlanta and AT Aliens? <laughs> AT Aliens, I'm I'm fine with. Hotlanta, I fucking hate. <laughs> and ha- and have since childhood. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm always like when it comes to like city nicknames, I'm just like, eh, don't know. Like, yeah. I don't want to be too cutesy about this the nickname. I think ATL is just fine. That's kind of how I you know, I'm like, it's the name of the airport. Like, that's yeah. chill. It's our call sign. But you know how some people get, like, super cute with it? And it's and I'm not even talking about people from, not from here. People in this town right. who try to come up with cute shit. I'm like, come on, people. Do we really need all this? Do we need a lot of all these uh, cutesy names? <laughs> Can we calm it down? Does Warwick have, an, uh, have a nickname? Not that I know of. The Hell Pit? I don't know. Like... <laughs> Do people call it the wick or something? Oh, my God. No. (laughs) No, I would cry tears of blood if anyone tried to call this place the wick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's way too lame for any nicknames. Although people, we tend to call ourselves Warwickians, and I hate it. I don't know why. It makes sense. I just don't like it. It sounds too fussy to me. Ooh. We're Warwickians, and I'm like, ugh. I don't know. I think we've done enough naming of towns with cutesy nicknames. and Yeah. You know, you need, like, one. Maybe two, but one is fine. Well, also, who decides this? Like, we need consensus. It, okay, I'll tell you right now, in Atlanta, who decides are rappers. <laughs> Rap music decides. <laughs> truly, truly. And I feel like it's fine that they decide. I just hate it when it becomes like five times removed to where like some suburban mom has an Etsy shop that has like, I'm from the six, zone six or whatever. And I'm like, come on, come on. No, no, no. Like, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's so weird. Yeah, rappers make sense for Atlanta. I thought it was like sports. Like sports sometimes are the reason why people call themselves. by a pl- But no, rappers makes total sense. And if a rapper decides that your town's going to be called like Slug Thug Nation, well, that's what you are now. <laughs> Sorry, Warwick, you are Slug Thug Nation now because <laughs> we had one rapper from here. <laughs> Slug Thug Nation. We had one rapper who put in a goddamn song. 
That's how it works. Honestly, this could be its own bonus episode because I have a lot of opinions about people's Etsy shops when it comes to hometown pride. I'll have to just put a pin in that and we got to talk about it later because it may jump from bonus to main feed. That's how passionate I feel. It's got to (laughs) be. You're too passionate. It's got to be main feed. (laughs) We can't hide your passion under a barrel when it comes to (laughs) Etsy shops. Oh, God. We're going to let the world know. You don't have to pay for Stitcher Premium to get this dirt. Millie's got some feelings about Etsy shops that are specific to a location. And look, I agree with you. I feel like people are going too hard sometimes in the direction of these Etsy shops and making them look like... They look like now, a lot of Etsy shops to me look like um, a place where you can source things that you would put up on the cra- in the, on the wall in a Cracker Barrel. Like, it's not even, like, a personal, cute, crafted thing anymore. It's like, here's a bunch of shit from my garage, and I painted, like, live, laugh, love on it, and now it's yours. Yes. I I always want to blame those Magnolia Company folks, because I'm just like, y'all just really told people to paint everything wooden white, and then put some, like, stencil with some cursive on it to talk about how much we love shit. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if I'm trying to pay, like, $45 for some shiplap sign. Thank you. Plus shipping. But I'm just like, when it comes down to the, like, the transition from rapper slang to white lady in the burbs making cute shit for an Etsy store, I'm like, all right. Like, this pipeline needs to be severed. Yes. Completely. Like, (laughs) I can't handle it. It just becomes, like, a shell of what it was. Like instantly. And in Atlanta, it's particularly bad. Yeah. And I only know this because of Instagram algorithms. Because it just shows me, hey, do you want to get a shirt that says, you know, I'm from the SWATs or whatever? And I'm like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, this looks like a kindergartner's toy chest. Why the fuck are we talking about Southwest Atlanta on this shit? Like, this is so absurd. Also, I got to say, I've seen a lot of those. I've, I've had a couple of targeted ads that were very disturbing for a while. Yeah. And this is the overlap. It's like a, a nice Venn diagram with this Etsy store stuff because there are people selling like country cutesy shit, but it looks like a fucking, like, like a scroll. It's like a Talmudic scroll of information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there was... A fucking blanket that was literally like, love your sons and daughters. Like, it was just like this huge text. And I'm like, literally nobody has time for this. Nobody has time for this shit. And then you look at some of these planks of wood and you're like, that is a, that's a piece of drywall. Like, you are selling a piece of drywall because you've got this, like, Talmudic scroll of information just to tell people you love where you live. And I'm like, you all need to calm it down. Look, nobody is trying to drive past your house and being like, okay, like bullet points of what this family is all about. I'm like, why? Bullet points would be helpful. Give me some bullet points. Like It's already an Excel spreadsheet of information. Give me some fucking shit to divvy it up. Yes. So I can read this shit. Our daughters and sons are really cute. They eat macaroni and cheese three times a week. <laughs> we live, laugh, and love. If they're constipated, give this one Imodium AD. Give that one Pepto. 
It's like, ma'am, I'm just trying to deliver the mail. I don't need all this information. Like, truly. <laughs> truly is trying to deliver the mail. I also think there's an overabundance of the word precious used in that kind of, like, art. Mm. I'm doing quotation air marks now. It's like, <laughs> in this house, we appreciate a precious love. And we laugh big. And we live hard. And I'm like, is this a fucking action movie plot? What is this? <laughs> We carry guns. We shoot arrows. We repel from the fucking ceiling every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Join us if you want in. Like, it's too much information about your goddamn families. This house believes the rock does not kiss. <laughs> we do have a point to this bonus app. We do. <laughs> no, we just went hard on a sidebar. And we still have to go harder on a main feed app because there's nothing that brings me more joy than your beef with the Magnolia Company. <laughs> I'm ready, baby. Chip and Joanna Gaines don't even know what's going to hit them. Listen, I fully admit it's half jealousy based. Like, I, we know this. We know that it's unfair that she got to be a half Asian lady that married a hunky redhead dude that knows how to fix shit. Yep. I just want that for myself. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pissed that she got it. But I also think that like whatever the style of their venture is is oh, it's so a scourge. whack. <laughs> it's a fucking scourge. I'm going there. We're going main feed with this. We are going <laughs> to dig into this more, but it is a goddamn scourge on this nation. <laughs> oh my god, this is a runaway train and I love it. I love it. it. Is- <laughs> Bring it back. We do have mail. We do have mail, I promise. <laughs> yes, we have mail back, of course. And listen, Thank you guys so much for sending us emails. We have like an assortment of things today. I'm excited. It's great. And I, I think we just love getting to know you. Like this is our chance to get to know who our listeners are. So we're just excited that you're writing in and giving us these stories because yeah. boy, are we getting to know you and we love it. We love it. We do. You want to read the first one? Because it's, it's pretty intense. Of course I want to read this one. All right. This is from Ray. Pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And uh, the title of it is called Yo-Yo Ma Asked Me If I Killed a Man. (laughs) (laughs) Truly the most epic email titles in the world from you. (gasps) Hi, Daniel and Millie and everybody. On the latest bonus app, you asked for stories about celeb meetings. This one isn't super spicy, so feel free to read it on the air. Here's what happened when I met world-famous cellist Yo-Yo Ma. I was working for a production company that was interviewing Mr. Ma. (laughs) I know that's the name. I know that's how you say it. It sounds wild. Mr. Ma. (laughs) Why why is it when I'm looking at it written, am I laughing? I don't know why. (laughs) Mr. Ma, what's up? Mr. Ma, table for two. Mr. Ma. (laughs) Mr. Ma, get your ass over here and get your fucking... Jello out of the middle of the road. We don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> Mr. Ma is from Zone 6. <laughs> Mr. Ma from the Swats. <laughs> Mr. Ma from the Swats. Slug Thug Nation, what's up? <laughs> Mr. Ma representing Slug Thug Nation. <laughs> oh, God. Shit. Okay, okay. I got to get it together to finish Ray's email. Okay. We can do this. We can do this. Just before he got to set, some bucket drummers started playing right outside. Bucket drummers are pretty much always playing in downtown Chicago. I was sent out to ask them to leave. When I got back, Yo-Yo Ma was just chilling with the rest of the video team. He said, oh, hey, were you the one who took care of the bucket drummers? 
I said, yes. He said, did you, you know, and then mimed a cutting motion across his throat. Take care of them. (laughs) I said, no, I just bribed them with $20 to go play further down the street. Yo-Yo Ma stared at me for a very long time, then whispered, God, I love Chicago. (laughs) Thanks for everything you do, Ray. All right. Listen, Ray, the one thing I love about this email is what the fuck did Mr. Ma think Chicago was about (laughs) to ask if you killed the bucket drummers? Also, are bucket drummers in such abundance in Chicago that you can just kill them if they're annoying? (laughs) And it's like socially acceptable. (laughs) Yo, who knew that Yo-Yo Ma went dark in his comedy? I was not aware of that. Yo-Yo Ma's goth as fuck, apparently. (laughs) Immediately, the first thing he goes to is murder and death. Oh, yeah. And it makes me wonder if it has Yo-Yo Ma killed. Because <laughs> that is a story I'd be very into. <laughs> a quiet, tender, beautiful cellist who just turns on that murder valve. <laughs> Dude. Once a year? Twice a year? <laughs> Fuck. I mean, listen, I'm already envisioning this. Isabel who pairs in this movie. Thank you. It takes place in Paris or Vienna. How about Vienna? Love it. This is a fucking great horror movie. It could be like a high art European erotic horror film starring Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma plays himself and Yo-Yo Ma just keeps doing the cutting motion across his throat. That's the only dialogue from Yo-Yo Ma. Okay. We need either Claire Denis (laughs) or we need like somebody along those lines to make a fucked up cellist murder movie. Let's go. And who's directing this and why is it Barry Jenkins? (laughs) Barry Jenkins could never. No, I'm kidding. He could. Barry Jenkins could. You think Barry Jenkins couldn't make a Yo-Yo Ma-based horror film? (laughs) The man's got levels. Listen, that's a fucking Barry Jenkins challenge. You have 24 hours to respond. Let's go. (laughs) And look, I got 50 on it. (laughs) Barry Jenkins could do it. Isabelle Hubert, Yo-Yo Ma, Claire Denis. Let's get Mahershala Ali in there. <laughs> Detective on the case? Maybe. Let's get the, the guy from Lupin. I don't know if you watched that yet on Netflix, but Lupin's got to be there. I'm into all of this, this entire mix. I'm, I'm down. And the bucket drummers, Amy Sedaris plays both parts. <laughs> don't even. Viennese, Viennese bucket drummers. You got to go for Amy Sedaris. She would be like, um... A bucket? You want me to move the bucket down the street? I don't think so. That's a bad Amy Sitter's impression. All right. Well, let's get into this next email. We got to move this along because we got things to do today. (laughs) We are are too caffeinated as per usual. (laughs) We got to get back to work. So let's read this next email. The next email's title is Uncomfortable Sex Scene with Parents. It was my 25th birthday. At that point, my folks and I had just recovered from a tumultuous period in our relationship. As in, we were finally comfortable being in a room together after five years of vitriol and passive-aggressive behavior. Growing up, it was tradition for the birthday person to pick a movie for everyone to see. Because we were trying to get back to some kind of normal, my folks told me to pick a movie for my birthday like old times. Wolf of Wall Street had just come out, and I knew my dad liked Goodfellas, so I figured it was a safe bet. 
five minutes into the movie with my mom sitting next to me, Leo snorts a race-length line of coke (laughs) off a woman's derriere. I thought, okay, it can't get worse than that, right? That was the longest, most uncomfortable nearly three hours of my life, and that is from Sky. I love that, like, the, thinking of Wolf of Wall Street and being like, he liked good fellas. So this Martin Scorsese flick has got to hit the same way. Okay, you have a reunion with your family and you watch Wolf of Wall Street. That goes two ways. That's like, you're never talking again or you move back in with them and you never leave. You're closer than ever. <laughs> exactly. Damn. Oh, no, I love that. Thank you, Sky. I know I'll watch a lot of movies with my mom and sometimes my dad, but mostly my mom. I wouldn't dare. I would would not (laughs) dare watch Wolf of Wall Street with her. I think your mom would fucking love Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) I think she would laugh her ass off. Yeah. But I think she would not want to see that Margot Robbie scene where she's like spread eagle on the kid's fucking bedroom floor. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you, Skye. We hope you reconciled with your family and that it continued after watching Wolf of Wall Street together. Yes, totally. All right. Next email is Laughing on Airplanes. That's the title. Dear Millie and Danielle, been listening since day one, and I'm excited to finally have a little tale to share with you. I was recently flying back home to Kansas from Florida, so of course I had a couple episodes queued up for my journey. I had started on Skin Book Did It Again while... I waited for boarding and paused it during that process. I paused it right in the middle of a great scream laugh fest. Now I was flying with a broken ankle thanks to the full moon and some concrete stairs. (laughs) So I was already getting more attention than an anxiety ridden millennial like myself would care to receive. I started the journey with a little reading so I could hear the initial announcements. Once we were coasting and the attendants dimmed the cabin lights, I popped my earbuds back on and hit play. At first, I didn't hear anything coming through, so I started turning up the volume when I realized your beautiful, buoyant laughter was blasting throughout the cabin (laughs) and apparently disturbing my (laughs) co-passengers. My Bluetooth had failed to reconnect, which... I didn't hear at first, thanks to noise cancellation. This only lasted a few seconds at most, but it was enough to make the attendant get on the overhead speaker immediately to remind everyone that all media is required to be played through headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Suffice to say, my face was burning while I reconnected my Bluetooth, pulled my hood up, and sank further into my seat. Those bastards just did not appreciate being blessed with the gift I just gave them. Anyway... Thanks for being the best and a joy to listen to, despite what the flight attendant thought. As a healthcare worker, I truly appreciate your podcast to help me check out from working in a hospital through the pandemic. Also, I just finished The Ugly Cry yesterday, and I absolutely adored it. I definitely ugly cried a few times while listening to it. Danielle, thank you so much for sharing our story. You are fucking incredible. Sorry this was so long. Thanks so much for reading. Stay awesome and keep all the great movie assignments coming. All the best, Meredith. Goes by they, them pronouns, Meredith. That was such a wonderful email, top to bottom. Thank you for your compliments. I hope your your ankle has healed. I love that it was a, a combination of the full moon and some concrete stairs that, that did them in. Um, but that was <laughs> just the notion of our voices and laughs blasting through an airline or an airplane. 
and just I can picture a flight attendant running <laughs> to the front of the plane to get that little phone and be like, turn that shit off. They probably thought there was a security breach. Completely. They were probably like, who's shrieking right now? Who are the women shrieking right now? Who let a killer clown loose on this plane? I know. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. I love that. I- I've done that before. Have you done that before? Accidentally yeah. like played something thinking that your headphones had kicked in? I have definitely done that before. And this look, this is the joy of returning even lightly back into public life is that we're going to embarrass ourselves again with Bluetooth because Bluetooth exists to embarrass us. Oh, to- totally, totally. There's nothing better than thinking I'm listening to something on my headphones and then Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin <laughs> therapy podcast starts rolling out through the grocery store. <gasps> oh, God. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm very interested in this couple that thought they were going to be open and now they are in a hard place. <laughs> Give me my Totino's <laughs> pizza rolls. <laughs> I think it's a great way to get some new listeners. So thank you so much, Meredith, for sending that in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes. Um, I'm going to say that this next email rocked me to my fucking core. (laughs) (laughs) This next email, I'm a changed person after reading it. Oh, my God. All right. This is from P. And the title is OMFG Movie Theater Shenanigans. I worked at a dollar movie theater right out of high school back in the mid-90s, and Jesus fucking Christ, the stories. (laughs) I'll share a few memorable anecdotes in the interest of time, but I could go on for days. I'll start with how the manager asked me, a lowly slinger of corn, that I make the safety deposit drop one day. She gave me her keys to make the deposit, and I promptly went and made copies of all her movie theater keys. Shit! With unlimited access to the theater, we regularly held midnight showings. And while seemingly harmless, a 10-screen theater with total after-hours access to a horde of horny teenagers with their first taste of adulthood freedom led to debauchery at its finest. Did we pour vodka into the slushy machine? You damn well betcha. (laughs) Did we splice portions of R-rated films into other movies half a decade before Tyler Durden was a figment of our collective imagination? Yup. Did we collect used popcorn buckets and used soda cups out of the trash, quote, clean them, unquote, and then resell them the next day to pocket a few extra bucks without negatively impacting the movie theater supply stock? No comment. (laughs) While games like Trash Can Surfing, Broomstick Javelin, and Hey Asshole, Find the Salt Bomb, will be nothing more than a memory for a quirky bunch of now adults, mostly, it was a fun time. Long live Buellridge, P. P.S. My wife and I absolutely love your podcast. It's the first podcast we fire up for road trips, and both of your laughs, good golly, we love hearing it. You make us smile. Thank you. I love this email. Holy. Holy shit. Holy shit. P, listen, P, 
the reselling of the popcorn and soda has rocked my life. Yes, pulling shit out of a trash can <laughs> to resell it to make your own money is fucking outrageous. It's so crazy. It's genius and disgusting, and I have to bow. I have to tip a hat. <laughs> exactly. We stand a legend. I also love the copying of the keys, <laughs> which is like, that is a fearless endeavor. I can picture it now. There is no thought process. It's, I have the keys. I'm making copies of the keys. That's it. That's the story. Dude, let me just tell you. You know, a few episodes ago on the main feed when, when I, I told that, I told the story about how we were talking about Dunkin' Donuts. It was the episode where you couldn't find coffee. And then I, yep. I casually slipped in the story about how I shut down the <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts I was managing to go to the mall. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend tell me like, Damn, I can't believe you told that story. That is fucking insane. Now I can be like, have you seen P's email to us? Thank you. This person copied keys and went to the movie theater <laughs> unbeknownst to anybody and had parties there. It just opened it. Just opened yes. the movie theater for their friends. So that level, I mean, is like so much worse than anything I could have done, a.k.a. so <laughs> So much more genius than anything I could have ever done. You're like, look, all I did was leave. Yes, no so harm, I, no foul. <laughs> like, all the donuts and coffee was there when I got back. It wasn't like I told people to come into the Dunkin' Donuts to eat free donuts <laughs> at midnight. I just left. I left it locked. <laughs> P's like, fuck it. Let's open all the doors up. It's two o'clock in the morning. Let's all Let's all come in here. Also, these games, trash can surfing and broomstick javelin. <laughs> I mean, there were injuries that resulted from these keys being copied. Well, and also, too, this hey, asshole, find the salt bomb. Oh, my God. Tell me more. What could that be? Tell <laughs> me more. Is it because it, ha it has to be a popcorn thing? I hope it's not an actual asshole thing. <laughs> Look, with this crew. Like, hey, <laughs> We've put a salt bomb in someone's asshole. Find it. Find it. And we'll watch another movie. <laughs> if you find it, we will fire up another movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, whoever has a bomb of salt in their ass is going to the hospital, like, immediately. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're desiccated. They are a desiccated, yes. dried-up husk of a human being. I am terrified and thrilled by P and their shenanigans and like I said, you got to bow down to a true legend. Man, we were rocked by that. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, here's this next email. The title of it is called Watching Uncomfortable Sex Scenes with My Mom on a Blind Date at the Drive-In in 1982. That is so much information. <laughs> Already. <laughs> in a car, on a boat. She swallowed the <laughs> spider to catch the fly. Oh my God, this is great. I like it. It's setting us up perfectly. We know where we are. Yeah. We don't even have a name for this. Like, no, they didn't leave a name. So here we go. Hello, Millie and D. You're just D, girl. No, um, we're not doing that, guys. We're not doing that. <laughs> I love your podcast so much. As a 44-year-old that was raised by a single mom, I grew up watching a lot of inappropriate movies while my single mom was at work. Full disclosure, we didn't have cable TV, but we did have a VHS collection of movies and shows that my grandmother had recorded off her TV in the 1970s and 1980s. In 1982, my single mom had a blind date, but couldn't get a babysitter for my two sisters and I. 
I was seven at the time. My younger sister was six. My older sister was nine. My mom put us in the back seat and drove to the local drive-in to see the movie Cat People. I'm assuming that's the remake of Cat People. Mm. While my mom and her date sat in the front seat, my sisters and I transfixed in the back seat. I am forever influenced by the gothic horror elements of this movie, the stylish short haircut on the female lead. But the most vivid memory is of the scene where the brother wakes up after being a puma to discover he had eaten the prostitute he went to bed with. That's what this movie is about? (laughs) Wait, what? Okay, continue, continue. I have questions, continue. (sighs) Then he goes to the sink and finds some skin left over and eats like chunks of wet fruit roll-ups. That scene is truly impossible to unsee. My mom made a few attempts during the movie to cover our little eyes during the most scary parts, but as you know, we cannot look away. And yes, they are, in fact, they've linked to the 1982 remake of Cat People. The original version is from the 1940s, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure nobody ate a sex worker or ate skin, like fruit (laughs) roll-ups. Keep up the good work. Wishing you both a happy new year. Wow. And that's, that's the email. The, the main thing I appreciate about this email is a single mom of three being like, I'm going on this fucking date. Get in the back of the car and good luck. <laughs> like the true balls to show up on a date with three kids is Im- it's impressive beyond bounds. Yes. I would never do that. I, <laughs> if I had three kids, I'd be like. I would only do that. I'd be like, you want to date me? Here's what you're going to get fucking into. Get on board or get out. This is the package. This is it. Okay, there's so many levels here. One, the mom went and saw the Cat People remake. On a date. On a date, which is like a Paul Schrader movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I mean, I I don't even know if I would go see a Paul Schrader movie on a blind date. I'm just saying. Then with three young kids in the (laughs) backseat. Epic. Epic behavior. Jesus. The 80s did not fuck around. The 80s were like, yeah, bring your kids to cat people. (laughs) Listen, every day that I live, I think, we were just feral children (laughs) in the 80s. Like, we just, no one was around to care. Bare minimum supervision. Yes. Like, you're alive at the beginning of the day, you're alive at the end of the day. That was the measure. It just is shocking to me how much kids were just sort of like left to their own devices or that they just were like, they weren't shielded from anything. <laughs> you know, it's like they just had access to just see the craziest movies ever. That is possibly my favorite part of this email is mom made an attempt to cover our eyes. Like just imagining a mom like reaching back with one hand, trying to cover the eyes of three children. <laughs> like... Again, bare minimum of any kind of supervision. I love this email. It brought me back to to a time that I think people would rather forget, and I don't think we should. Yeah. I think we need to remember our our, our feral origins to understand who we are now. Yes. I Honestly, we get a lot of these emails, and it seems to be from, like, a specific— like, the people who are writing us saying that they watch, like, DC Cab or, like, the or Cat People— the remake 
are of this like almost like a specific demographic right yes and it happens to be ours so i'm I'm like i'm (laughs) sensing a theme like we were feral children in the 80s and nobody will get it we have found our people and i'm grateful (laughs) and one day we will all gather and have like a collective trauma experience (laughs) where we just like hug and cry (laughs) and chant (laughs) <laughs> and just let it all go. Yeah, I I honestly think going to the movies for people was a way to get rid of children. Absolutely. Like they were like, let them watch anything, just as long as it's not bothering us. Completely. I mean, leaving kids in other things. Like, I'm going to go see this movie. You guys go over there and see that movie. I don't give a shit what happens to you. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Like, I think about it now. It's like my sister and her kids. That would never happen in a million years. <laughs> She's so... She watches them like a fucking hawk. She never be like, "I'm going to another movie theater while my children are in another are in another one." Come on, that would never happen. Different times. That happened every, literally every day when we were kids. Yes, literally every day. Exactly. God, that's so funny. Oh boy. Well, this next one is the title is Six Feet Under Induced Grief and Slow Dive." Mm. Dear, I saw what you did, team. Not sure who these messages go to, but I just wanted to send a note of appreciation after today's episode, A Country Duplex. Danielle, whether six feet under-induced or otherwise, I really appreciated you sharing your reflections on grief so rawly and honestly at the top of the show. A lot of what you have both talked about over the past year has really resonated with me, not least because I am currently also trying to become a homeowner and am a single childless woman of a certain age, the horror. Your humor and general badassery has helped me feel more okay about this during some trying times. Thank you. Also, Millie, I knew you were the coolest, but your reference to Slow Dive a few episodes ago cemented it. I particularly loved your recommendation of Lover's Rock. The dance scenes were a burst of joy during lockdown. Thank you both for making a show that helps remind me that no one owns music and film and that they are as much mine as anyone else's. All the best, Kat. Aw, thank you, Kat. That is such a nice email. Thank you so much for sending that. Truly. I mean, it's just, it's nice that we can all come here and connect to each other and just find ways to get through this weird, often grief-stricken time of life. <laughs> like, it really... Yeah. I think that that was a... You know, I listened back to that episode, and I was really surprised at how it sounded, because when I was talking, it didn't feel like it was that heavy. Yeah. But then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, no, that is kind of a heavy topic, but I'm glad that we did it, and I'm glad I talked about it, and I'm glad that you were the person I was talking to, because everything you said was was so supportive and wonderful. Oh, well, listen, this is, I think, the best thing about this podcast is that, like, we can kind of just come to it every week and know that we can hold space for each other no matter what the feeling is, right? Yes. Like, if you want to come on and be super fucking goofy, if you want to come on and be sad, if you want to come up and be angry, like, it doesn't matter. Like, like I think that's what friendship is, right? Yeah. Is that you just kind of accept everybody at any time. And um, I, I like those episodes, even though they do feel like if you if you listen back and you feel like, oh, these are heavier, these are a little bit more contemplative or thoughtful. I mean, I think that that makes uh, still makes a good podcast. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, well, it's real. Yeah, it's genuine. And I'm just I'm just happy that people they're feeling connected to it and not like turned off by it or something. That's always like a fear that like people are like, "Ooh, they're being serious. I can't handle it. I got to turn it off." And 
If you can't handle us at our person waking up and eating skin out of the sink, <laughs> then you don't deserve us at our six feet under-induced grief. <laughs> You're getting it all, people. You're getting it all. The full spread. Exactly. And I'd love for that to be the title of this episode, but it would never fit. It would never fit. <laughs> never fit. Every single podcast platform would be like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It would be like that Fiona, that Fiona Apple album that just has like the three ellipses. Like, <laughs> I love that Fiona Apple. That bitch wrote a poem as the title of her album, and her record company was like, "We are calling it the first three words because what the fuck? It's called When the Pawn. That's it." <laughs> she's like, she's like, it's literally a nine hundred word poem, and they're like, "You can take that hippie shit." To self-publishing, because <laughs> as far as Sony is concerned, it's called Win the Pawn, dot, dot, dot. We stand another 90s legend. We oh, totally stand a 90s legend. Oh, she had God. had it. She had had it the minute her first record came out. She was like, I am done with this. And they're like, you are 19. She's like, I am still done with this. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, well, that was a beautiful email, Kat. Thank you so much. And yes, we are here for you. We are here for each other. And I just am very grateful for your for your kind words. Yes, same here. Um, I think we got time for about one more. Yeah. We're going to go out with a bang, I think. Literally. <laughs> the name of this one is called Awkward Sex Scenes with My Mom. <laughs> Which, based on the title, it's like, did you have an awkward sex scene with your mom? <laughs> Or did you watch an awkward sex scene with your mom? I was interested to dig into this one. Yes. Here we go. Years and years ago, when VHS tapes and VCRs were sort of new, my mom and I were home one Friday evening and looking through the VHS tapes in the house for something to watch. I found a tape in my dad's stash and popped it into the VCR. Mom and I settled in to watch. After about five minutes, we realized that it was porn. As the woman on the screen was naked and bouncing around on some huge dick <laughs> on some cowboy who happened into her cubicle. Mom and I both lunged for the remote to stop the tape, but one of us accidentally pressed fast forward. And that made the scene on the screen go insanely fast. And it was fucking hilarious. That was probably 35 years ago, and we both still laugh about it. Love the podcast. Can't get enough of it. Mary Ant in the Midwest. <laughs> oh, God. You know what I kept thinking when I read that email, too? is like, they laugh about it. What does the dad think every time they bring it up? Is he like, yeah, all right, fine. You found my porn. Like, shut up. <laughs> First of all, not going to lie, Mary Ann in the Midwest sounds like a porn. <laughs> Just want to say that. <laughs> but... I got to say, first of all, my parents listen to this podcast now. I know that. <laughs> Do I think they listen to the bonus episodes? I hope to fuck not because I'm going to tell a story about when I similarly found porn on a blank VHS tape in my parents' closet. Look, that was the risk you fucking took in the 80s. Labeling a tape didn't mean anything. Yes. Because you could tape over it. You could you could be labeling it falsely to try to deceive people. That was the risk you took with VHS. Yes. And, you know, there have been moments in my adult life where I'd be like, you know what? 
Remember that moment when you found that blank tape in your mom and dad's closet that had porn on it? What was that porn? Because gotta tell you, it was a John Holmes, Ron Jeremy thing. And I was like, there's a moment where I was like, wow, okay. So they, you know, they were doing like classic pornography. <laughs> you know, it was like, so you know, something that's not like too esoteric, but like nothing like super creepy. It's just like oh, standard issue, classic pornography for people my parents' age. I'm like, if it has John Holmes or Ron Jeremy, okay. I felt kind of like okay with it in a weird way. Yeah. Even though I was traumatized when I found <laughs> it. Don't get it twisted. I was traumatized. But if you're going to find porn in your parents' room, pile of tapes, their vicinity, their closet. If you're going to find porn that one or both of your parents have watched, you want it to be classic flavored Coke. You don't want it to be new Coke. You don't want Crystal Pepsi. You don't want to know that your parents are into butt stuff. You don't want to know that they like toes. You don't want it. And look, I appreciate that. I think that is that is legit. I used yeah. to babysit. And there was one family that I only babysat for one time. And then I said no to the rest of those gigs because I was a little freaked out. I had a friend babysitting with me and she had made the connection. So it was kind of like we were both going to babysit. And then we would see who like really would keep getting the jobs or they could use us both. Like they like to have, you know, they had like three kids. So they like to have a few people on, on deck. Yeah. And I mentioned that I only babysat for them one time. Because I do write about a family that I babysat for in my book, and it is not that family. Trust me. Wow. Truets are great. (laughs) This family, this one-time family, of course, I never did. I never snooped when I babysat. I never looked in drawers. I never looked in anything. I just watched the kids, and then I watched TV, and then I went home. Right. My friend was a snooping babysitter. Ooh. Mm -mm. And she went into their room— and I'm telling you, within three seconds, I hope she works for the FBI now. We have completely lost touch. <laughs> but if she's not in Quantico, I would be shocked because within three seconds of going in this room, this bitch found a Joy of Sex book in a drawer. She found porn tapes. She found crotchless panties. <laughs> and I'm like, again, like 13. And my world is rocked. Rocked. Oh, man. She found a vibrator. Like, she just... Like, went in every drawer and found everything. Wow. And I was like, I, again, appreciate this level of intense snooping. Yes. But also, I this is why I don't snoop, because I don't want to know. I just want to get my 20 bucks and leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, I never snooped as a babysitter except for snacks. I was a snack snooper. Yes. No problem. I would go into the depths of, like, someone's pantry to see if they had any fucking, like, classy European chocolate or some shit back there. They're hiding stuff in the back. Yes, but never in a bedroom. That is fucking crazy. And the thing about my own family is that I think I was a little snoopy when I was a kid, obviously. Like, I I used to always try to, you know, go into my mom's closet and look for Christmas presents and shit. And then there was this period where, yeah, I went through my parents' closet, found a porno tape with John Holmes on it, and was... Killed by, basically. (laughs) What if they planted it? They probably did. (laughs) They're like, oh, I see this bitch is looking around again. Let's let her find this. But this is the thing. Your parents were a mystery. Yes. Your mom had a fresh jailhouse tattoo that was not from a jail. (laughs) Your dad was in the Air Force. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, they were a mystery. I would have snooped, too. Be like, who are you, really? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that once you go snooping, you're going to find something that's going to fuck you up. And that's your own damn fault. 
And that's kind of how I felt when I found the John Holmes tape. Like I was yep. basically just like, okay, I fucked up. I went, I went too far. <laughs> I, I, I went beyond the point of no return. And now I think my parents are maniacs. So, you know, <laughs> and, and the thing about Marianne in the Midwest is that she figured that shit out with her own mother about their father. With her mom. <laughs> They're like, dad is a stone freak. <laughs> and now we know this. <laughs> Also, like, oh, it says that I thought maybe Marianne suggested that the guy in the video, because it seems like the story is about an office. And I'm like, there was a cowboy in the office. I think they were just (laughs) mentioning that the guy was a cowboy because he had a huge dick. And not that there was like a cowboy office themed porn or something. I'd be like, yo, I got to find out this. It is porn. So that could be completely legit what the plot was. This person was like, I'm a cowboy going into an office for no reason. And here's my wang. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like some Boogie Nights scenario. <laughs> it's like the Don Cheadle character walking into an office. <laughs> and that's the porn. <laughs> oh, God. The, the plot is so minimal. They're like, here's what we need. We need someone dressed as a cowboy and we need this person sitting on their dick. Come up with any scenario you want to make that happen. That's just like the directive. That's all we need is those two things. Oh my God. Also, I cannot, this makes me laugh so I cannot stop imagining (laughs) (laughs) a tiny, a tiny Millie to Jericho (laughs) holding a VCR tape in the palm of both hands in front of her parents' closets and just looking down and being like, respect. Game recognized game. <laughs> I salute you both for your commitment to classic <laughs> late seventies, early eighties pornography. Oh god, we were too poor to 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 have a VCR at that the point where I would have been young enough to snoop in my mom's shit. Yeah, otherwise I probably would have found some shit, but and I would have exposed it beautifully. I know those days are gone. Gone. <laughs> Nobody has VHS tapes of porn anymore. This is another layer of me saying babysitting is a psychotic endeavor because <laughs> you're yeah. inviting little tiny snoops into your fucking house yeah. to hopefully watch your kids, <laughs> but they're also tearing through everything you own unless it's me or Millie. Then we just want the snacks. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this was such a fun episode. So fun. Thank you again so much, everybody, for your emails. If you want to email us, again, about funny, weird movie-related stories, please do. We're at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. You can find us on our social media at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. But if you leave your stories there, we're not going to read them on air. So if you want us to read them or look at them or see them, yeah. email us, please. Please put it in an email. It'd be so much, so much better for us. We also have merch. If you want some merch, it's at the Exactly Right Shop at exactlyrightmedia.com. And if you want even more from us, you're already listening to us on Stitcher Premium, where we have so many bonus episodes. And if you're just listening on a friend's phone or at work uh, and you want your own account, you can use the promo code SAW for a free month and listen to us whenever you want. Except if you're my mom and dad. Yeah. Please do not use the promo code SAW for a free month. Please do not be listening to this. Oh. I don't want you to know. I want them each to have paid for their own Stitcher Premium account. <laughs> and if they stop paying for it after this episode, we all have words. <laughs> like, you need to support your daughter in this podcast endeavor, even if it means revealing your deepest secrets. Because <laughs> Millie hasn't revealed any of her deepest secrets 
that are porn related. Yes. But you need to respect. I have a feeling this podcast is like their version of finding my porn. 100%. Like they're basically like, we don't know our daughter at all. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Now we listened to this podcast and we found out too much. (laughs) That is one of the most astute observations you've ever made. (laughs) They are learning so much, not just about you now, but about who you were as a kid. You have a lot of secret stories that they probably weren't aware of. I know. My dad's probably like, I knew that shit about Memphis Bell. I fucking knew that shit, man. I sensed, I sensed there was something going on there. He's like, I'm trying to talk to her about these B-52 bombers. And she keeps rubbing this VCR case on her face and falling asleep with it under her pillow. <laughs> she don't give a shit about these bombers. I should have known. Trying to connect with my child here over some important shit. (laughs) She's just staring at this goofy dude. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Thank you, everybody. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Ryo Baum. Our theme song is by Tom Breifogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ISawPod. You can email us at ISawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.